Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball Live. This is going to be our Mavericks Clippers preview edition. We've got lots we could talk about, and we will see kind of where we go. I hope you guys have been visiting MavsMoneyball.com um, recently. We have all sorts of stuff going on on the website um, and are having a good time with it. So I really hope, um, really hope you are ready. And let's just start bringing up people. I'm going to get a couple of uh, Mavs Moneyball writers on stage here once we have an opportunity. But let's go first to Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing pretty well, Kirk. How about yourself? Just fighting with my dog. You know, he's barking at me because he wants my tacos. <laughs> I can understand that. So I've been thinking about this all week. And because I know Brad Townsend and KP himself have talked about this, it's kind of a big question because it's both what will happen against the Clippers but also what we will probably be doing going forward in the off season. So this whole KP at the four nonsense, I mean, I've been a pretty staunch defender that KP needs to play the five, both offensively for his rhythm and then defensively because he can't guard anybody in space. And theoretically he should be able to protect the rim, even if that hasn't really been the case this season. Um, so, I mean, I guess first question is like, how do you think that's going to play out against the Clippers? Is that going to be more of a, like sub package or are they going to lean into like the Dwight Powell KP front court for 30 minutes a game? So I'm going to bring on is talk who, who requested to join right after I brought you up. Wanted to have him on first talk about his article. Oh, his article was great. And, and then Matt Phillips is also in the chat. Probably talk about his article at some point too, uh, about KP's rim protection. Basically not still his talks thunder, but he looked into kind of the, the lineups with uh, Porzingis and Powell and they're not bad. They're in the zero percentile, bottom of the garbage, horrendous, terrifying bad on defense. Like, KP is just so full of shit, I don't know where to start. I mean, unless like unless we all are supposed to believe that the Mavericks have been, you know, rope-a-doping for the past 12 games, which I don't, um, I'm just not sure what to do with that. Long-term, uh, Powell is – Powell's best use – is 15 to 20 minutes a game. He can't play 28, you know, 35 minutes a game. He just exactly. – the margins don't work for him. It's it's very tough. Um, Porzingis is kind of a different deal. He needs to play in different situations. I think using him differently, four and five and mixing it up is actually probably a good thing, both for his health and for the Mavericks' offensive kind of – and defensive predictability. But, like, those quotes and then just the lack – and I'm not – I don't mean to take shots – but, like, the lack of curiosity when, like, you know, a player says something like, oh, hey, this this looks good for us in practice. I'm really excited about it. Well, the publicly available data says it looks like crap. So what are we talking about? <laughs> like, like there just needs to be, like, yeah. this stuff is available. And, and it serves to just kind of make everybody slightly dumber where it's like, well, Porzingis thinks it's great. Well, come on. Porzingis thinks he's the best player on the team. At some point, you know, the information in front of us has to matter. Yeah, I think um, Iztok's article, if I remember correctly, I think they have a defensive rating of 133 points allowed per 100 possessions, which is very unheard bad. of. Like you said, like you said, zero percentile. So again, I'm I'm just very worried about this. If it turns out to be more like like you said, it's more of a mix up. Like he's mostly playing the five, but maybe in some looks, maybe they trot out Willie for some extra size or yeah. something. I could understand that because, yeah, I mean, he can obviously stand in the corner and shoot a little bit, but sure. to start the game, I 
would like him both offensively and defensively at the five. Well, that leads I, me... I, I trust Rick to do something weird because Rick is good at True. weird. True. That leads me to my next question then because I think it was Jake Fisher for uh, Bleacher Report. Yep. Um, I think he, he was reporting earlier this week. Uh, he mentioned at you know both Collins and uh, Rashawn Holmes as potential targets, which if this whole KP at the four thing is legit and they want him playing a lot at the four, I mean, I guess that lines up with the philosophy. I, again, just I, I don't understand the idea behind it. But, I mean, do you think there's a – any good targets out there or any good lineups? Cause I feel like a off season where we come out with like Rashawn Holmes and retain 10 heart retain Tim Hardaway is kind of disappointing. Probably. I mean, I I'm so bad at target stuff, you know, Dalton's here in the chat. I'm sure he'll want to talk about it, but I'm not, I'm just not ready in the headspace for it because once you, once you start talking about free agency, particularly when there's no basketball left, it quickly becomes like a jihad of like people standing for players that aren't on their team. And, I can't get in that headspace at the moment. <laughs> true, true. Okay, well, I mean, that, that's all I had is just I'm I'm kind of concerned if this KP at the four stuff is anything more than a couple of minutes uh, sure. a game. Sure. Well, thank you for coming up. Appreciate you as always, man. Absolutely. Okay, coming up next, I'm going to let uh, Istok skip the line because he wrote 2,500 words yesterday. Hi, Istok. How are you? Hi, Kirk. I'm doing well. Are you? I'm okay. After editing my 2,000 and a half words of article. Yeah, it was fun. Good, good time editing that last night. You're the best. <laughs> okay. Glad to hear that. So, what do we want to so, talk about first from your post? Because we can so, go lots of different ways. No, I think this first thing is this Porzingis of the five, or four, sorry, with Powell. I think, I hope that's just smokescreen by Carlisle. So, I'm not sure... I mean, the data and also the eye test doesn't show that they would they could defend, especially versus the Clippers, because I don't think they will play really big. They might play Zubats or Ibaka, but they play a lot with Morris at center as well. So I don't think that would fly on defense, especially. Or maybe the situation with Max is so bad that Carlisle will try with something. Well, the Clippers are just so um, jumbo-sized. Like, I feel like like thinking of them in the traditional kind of big-small lineups doesn't really make sense because they have so many guys that are like 6'6 six, six to 6'9 six, that they could just play like a fully switchable defense at all times if they really wanted to. If they trim their rotation at all. I mean, the difference yeah. is like Zubac is just so – he's been very effective playing yeah, but I think, I mean, the problem is not with with KP and power lineups. I don't think the problem is on offense for Mavericks because they score at a high clip. And this is really a good uh, lineup because Luka has power for pick and roll so he can attack more aggressively Zubats in drop. And then if they help off with KP in the corner, he's the best spot-up shooter on the team probably besides Hardaway. The problem is on defense. And on defense, what we see, saw last year, especially if Maxi will be struggling, mm-hmm. they can't defend Kawhi one-on-one. So they will have to help. Mm-hmm. And once you're in help, you need to scramble around. And with KP and Powell, I don't see that. You know, because somebody will be on ball and then the other guy will need to... I think they need probably KP surrounded. If KP plays most of the minutes, they need to surround him with like four mobile wing defenders. And I think... The best way for the Mavericks 
to start the series would be the Luca Richardson, Finney Smith, Maxi, and KP starting lineup that was like stabilized somewhere in the middle of the season and did really well. Mm-hmm. And then you have Hardaway Jr., Powell, and Brunson like your trio of the bench. So I think it gives uh, Carlisle a lot of options. So this is my personal opinion, but I'm worried that uh, that Kleber is probably more hurt than Mavs are willing to admit. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true too. Um Carl, I don't know. Carla did this sort of stuff with KP though too when he was when he was hurt last season, which is just not really give straight answers. And you know, as we saw with Anthony Davis on the Lakers, Achilles things don't really go away. Like you need yeah. a real, you know, he 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 might be fine next season, but at a certain point, we're we're just sort of playing with a KP or not a KP, a Maxi Kleba who is who is not uh, able to do the things he's done you know, through most of the season, and he's just been a very important linchpin to the defense. I'm going to be – I don't know. They, they've tried so many different things late in the year. I, I just – I feel like we're just seeing all sorts of smoke screens, and then the Mavericks will come out and just run the KP Luka pick and roll to death, and that will – and really play it – because both these teams play at a you know, bottom – don't they play like kind of a bottom ten pace? for in terms yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, they're not even bottom five, not bottom ten. Okay, so so th- this could be like part of me thinks this is going to be like 130 to 120 type games where that's the final score. But then there was the the game the Mavericks won in that back to back series. They held the Clippers to 90 just because the pace was so so down there. So this this series might be kind of a series of blowouts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, but that series that they won is was exactly when these lineups with Maxi, with uh, uh, Finney Smith and Richardson and Luca and KP were at their peak, you know. So Maxi was very good defensively mm. in that games that they won versus Kawhi. Luca was good. I think he had two blocks. So they had like this with Richardson, Luca and uh, uh, Finney Smith and uh, Maxi. They have like these four people that can switch and rotate on Kawhi and they are long enough to bother him. So if you have two bigs that drop, I think that's a problem. And then Back to your pick and roll with uh, Luca and KP. I think this is, and this is something that I put in the article. This will be for KP to prove that he can punish the small guys. Because what the, uh, what the Clippers did last year, and especially in all three, uh, all two games this year, they will put a Kawhi or PG on him. So, mm-hmm. and then it makes difficult for Luca pick and roll because the other wing is on him. They just switch, so they don't create a real advantage. So, KP, I think. If he wants early on in the series, first two games, if he doesn't establish, I don't know, you, I, I know you don't like the post-ups, but if he doesn't, if he can't score on a smaller guy, then I don't think you'll see that much of the pick and roll uh, with yeah. Luka. Because yeah. what happens and what happens in these two games, or maybe it's just a Carlisle holding back. But what we saw in these last two games is when they put a wing on KP, then Luka go, and targets in pick and roll whoever Zubats uh, guards, and this was usually either Kleber or or somebody else. Yeah, yeah, I'm, it's it's going to be a real chess match, and I think this is where the Mavericks have the advantage, at least in the coaching. You said something earlier, and I want to go back to defense just for a minute. Uh, we, I personally, kick the crap out of KP all the time for his mm-hmm. defense. I give Luca a pass for his defense broadly because he carries a bigger <laughs> offensive load. That pass goes away. Uh, he has to be locked in on defense like he has yeah. been at, at points this year. 
because as you showed in a lot of in a, an article you wrote a couple I don't know three four weeks mm-hmm. ago, like the the Luca KP defense does not work very well together. But that is not solely on KP. That is a Luca yeah. needing to fight over screens, needing to not get sure. lost, needing to just be because he's real strong and he's got good yeah. hands. And but some days he you can just tell he's not in it, and yeah. that's where. He, if he's moderate, that that goes a big because he's been pretty bad on defense for about twenty games. Yeah, I know, and I but I think for both of them, this series defensively, it's not the most difficult because the Clippers don't play a typical pick and roll where they would have a fast guard that would go downhill or would shoot off the screen like like Curry or Lillard. So even for KP. And Luca, I don't think it's the worst series defensively. This series mm-hmm. is very difficult for our wings, for for Kleber and Finis Switch just to physically cope with Kawhi, you know? Right. So I think, but again, I think it's uh, the best way would be for Merricks, yeah, to, to have KP at the five so he can be on, uh, let's say, either on Morris or on Zubats, and then they can switch and help off on their of their pick and rolls with Kawhi and KP can try to provide and hopefully he'll be better at the help defense. So uh, once this uh, these two get to the rim, but so I hope yeah they will. Kleber is really the the key part, but I agree with you. Yeah, Luca needs to do better. What I think we saw last playoffs, I rewatched the games. He wasn't that good as I thought in the first two games. Because what he does a lot of time is, after the first rotation, he will lose track of his guy and he'll just try to get a rebound. Right. So then when the games get tough, I think he, he has this in mind, that he needs to be more careful. And he, when he's really focused, and I think he also takes these challenges, especially versus uh, Paul George and Kawhi, personally, so I think he can step up. Uh, so defensively, hopefully... We, we will fine. see. Uh, yeah, they should be fine. But as, as I said, most lineups that are good are with uh, with Kleber. So this is uh, this is something that we need to see. Was there anything else that you haven't talked about yet that during kind of your research and writing that surprised you going into the series? Yeah, two things. <laughs> One thing is that Clippers, if you look at the synergy data, are the worst pick and roll defense in the mm-hmm. league, which is a bit funny. So, and the maps, if you look at them, they are the first best pick and roll ball handler offense. So, you would, one could say right away, okay, this is like an opportunity. But I think Clippers did, it, did this, do this to an extent, and it will be interesting to see what they do with Luca because they defend the, they defend the three point line well. So, right. it means that they try to defend pick and roll two on two and not over half. So, I'm not sure, but this is something that I'll be personally looking into how they will defend, and we put a lot of clips and analysis of how they will do that. The second thing is, like you said, I think on defense, the Clippers are much better than last year because they replaced their two worst defenders in Lou Williams and Harrell with basically with Ibaka and Batum and Rondo, which are all okay or even good defenders in Ibaka. But on offense, if PG struggles, and I think here is the opportunity for Dallas, Lou Williams really killed the Mavericks last year. So mm-hmm. he was averaging 16 points again in the playoffs. So they don't have a third scorer, really a scorer. They have a lot of spot-up shooters. So a lot of, and they're the best three-point shooter uh, shooting team in the league. Everybody 
but Ibaka and Zubac shoots about uh, about forty percent from free. So if the Mavs somehow manage to let's say semi-contain and not help too much on Kawhi and on Paul George, I think they might struggle to get going offensively. Of course, if if the defense of uh, Dallas defense can be okay, and it, we saw that Dallas defense was like up and down all season. Yeah, no, that's certainly the case. Well, so one thing I got to do, I'm going to have to restart the room because the speaker requests on my end for the chat have died. And then the chat also, at least on my end, isn't working. So in order to bring people up, I have to restart the room. Um, okay. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, Doc. I appreciate this. Yeah, thanks, Kirk. Okay. Uh, coming up next, going to bring up uh, House Mavericks, a.k.a. Tim Yeager. How you doing, Tim? What's up, Kirk? That was fun. Hope, hope. Did you guys hear all that? Did that all record? Sometimes I can't yeah, tell. Yeah, no. Okay. Everything was good on my end at the chat. The, I mean, um, just looked like it was something on your end. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, just, uh, if, if we don't mind, I don't want to keep on, uh, talking about is talks piece and a few things that I got from it as well. Um, is talk is, is awesome. And so, you know, if y'all haven't read that yet, go to Matt's Moneyball and, 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 um, read his, his deep dive into pretty much everything about the series. But, um, if is talk, I mean, is talk is like MJ, um, and I'm like Chris Kamen. So sorry for the deep fall off here, but just loved his analysis. Um, reading it just really struck a lot of things with me on just, uh, he mentioned it at the very end of how the Clippers are one of the worst pick and roll defense teams in the NBA and how we're one of the best, obviously. And that's the main um, avenue of, of our offense of everything, how we get it started. And so I think this year, Luca's mid-range, um, the development of that, how we've seen it, and just even the efficiency of it will be huge in this series. And that's going to really, obviously, his shooting is going to be a big factor in any win. Um, but I think specifically his mid-range, because as he noted and his video kind of showed, if it's a wing-to-wing um, pick, you know, uh, if, if the Mavs come and pick with a wing defender, they just switch. Um, but if it's if it's Zubak, if it's Abaka, they drop, and they really kind of focused it focused on who those guys were guarding in our back to back earlier in the season, and whoever came and dropped, he had multiple options of whether you know his step back three or the mid range, and so I'm really looking forward to seeing how Luca and that development of the mid range and seeing it pay off hopefully in this series. I, I like that one too. It, it's kind of a counter because it's been a little, you know, the Mavericks have two things going for them in this series offensively that they didn't have, well, multiple things going for them. But the two things that really stand out to me is first, they have a vertical threat, both in KP, hopefully being able to play the whole series and Dwight Powell, hopefully be able, being able to play the whole series. And then Luca's mid range, because as you mentioned, like Zubat just being able to stop him like 10 feet short. Uh, that was, I mean, he just, does, he's either like, he, 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 I really like Zubat's game because it, Reminds me of how I play basketball where I'm just like, I don't jump. I'm not going for fakes because I might get hurt. And so he just kind of stands slowly and, and it, all the fakes and things that like guys pull on him, he doesn't go for it because there's no purpose in him trying to block shots. He's just rather be huge. So it's, it's that, that sort of thing is going to be very fun to watch. Um, I just, I can see the series going a, a million different ways. And it's, it seems to be kind of a boring series for, for people that aren't Mavs fans because it's kind of more of the same. Uh, at least from a 50,000 foot view, but the Mavericks are just, they're going to be pretty different. I mean, Tim Hart or uh, uh, Dorian Finney Smith's shooting is better 
uh, Tim Hardaway seems to be, he's talked about how he's more prepared for the physicality. Um, there's just enough interesting wrinkles to where I think the Mavericks could make this, uh, you know, they're, they're clearly out talented just top to bottom and that's okay. But you know, basketball is about execution. And if the Clippers are going to play at a slow pace, the Mavericks should be able to at least make it interesting. Absolutely. I think the slow pace benefits us tremendously or not necessarily benefits, but it plays to our advantage. It's what we want to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we would struggle against teams that, you know, like Portland, like we always have a hard time just because of how fast they are and how, just how much they attack um, to slow pace. And like, as talk said, I mean, with Rondo or Reggie Jackson, you know, handling the ball, um, they're just very, yeah, it's a slower-paced offense, which helps our defense get set. I mean, we're not a great defensive team by any means, but if we're dialed in, I could see a, a good energy in being able to get stops when we need to. Um, and that's just kind of not what we've seen during the regular season. And mm-hmm. um, But we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out, Tim. You're welcome to hang Absolutely. out on stage if you'd like. Um, I'm going to bring up some more folks. So, you know, obviously, guys, if you sent requests before, I'm going to try to get to all of you. It's It was um, – the room just – it's my end where the room broke. Uh, okay, so coming up next, just going to bring folks in order. Uh, Sam, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Kurt? today, now that this thing's working. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, about this whole series, I just think that the media is underestimating of what we can do. I'm like I, I I know I saw I saw all the ESPN predictions Clippers 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 and so on and so on and I was like okay I like I like how we're being the underdogs when we, when we literally took them to six games without a KP I I know people think that KP wouldn't make that big of a difference but I still think it would make a big enough of a difference to add one more game to the series. Mm. Okay, I like this. I like the confidence. Um... My dip into the numbers in Is Talks too. It's my favorite part about Is Talks articles. He kind of writes repeatedly how the Mavericks are like statistically going to get worked, and then at the very end, he's like Mavs in seven. Just, just hands down, my you know, get through that much words. It was, it was great to see. Um, it's the the thing about the Clippers is that they stumbled down the stretch. They lost six of ten, two of which they lost on purpose. But when you get into where they are on paper, they should be the number one seed. Like they should be the best team. Um, I mean, uh, I've been thinking about how they have 43, uh, nine Eight. guys yeah. that shoot oh 40%. And we have one, I think, maybe two. I mean, I know like like Dorian's right there at like 39.7, Tim is too. But it's just, it's just, there's a lot of shooting. And, and I could see this kind of getting out of hand. But I also, I, I'm just sort of, it's fun having a guy like Luca. This is, you know, how we felt about Dirk at certain points in the in the you know 2000s where it's just like oh we have we have that guy we have the best and, and I really firmly believe that Luca's the best player in the series and having the best player in the series gives you a lot of yeah, you know, I agree. faith-based wiggle room no you know I agree Luca is the best player in that series and if you think it's Kawhi I, I mean I no I really think it's and you know also making me mad in the MVP conversation I don't know I don't know how Luca is well, six because I, I do, because Luca had the meat sweats down the stretch and looked like crap because he's hurt and kind of tired. I mean, if the oh. Mavericks had to roll straight into the playoffs, they might have lost the playing game. They were awful, awful. All those games were bad. They just won some of them because they were playing super tanky. Yeah, they, they played. A, I, I was glad that we played a bunch of bad teams at the end of the year. At least we had a, a tough patch in that one. I think it was in March. We played the, the Blazers, the Nuggets, and the Clippers. 
that was a tough stretch too. We we had some tough stretches, but at least for the fifth seed, that's all that, that's all that matters now. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, so, sorry. No, go uh, ahead. All right, but then also, I think that KP is going to step it up the series. Okay, I know there's no um proof to show that clearly defensively, but I I, I really think that I don't know something is going to go into. I, I just think he's going to throw his body out there and become a lot, a lot more better of a defender. I don't know that. Because I, I, people, I don't think he care. I think he has the same thing with Luca, how they don't care in regular season game, which is stupid. But I think now that it's the playoff time and KB needs to prove himself, I think he'll want to probably, you know, throw his body out in the, on the defensive floor. I muted myself. Sorry about that. No, I understand. This is going to be, this is going to be a series that, like, even if you look at the time of the games. It, it's again. I'm sorry, guys. My dog just does not care that I'm on a podcast today. Um, at, normally at night he's napping. Um, and it's 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 just it's it's the series where people aren't particularly interested. And in the game like times are all over the place. They play at three thirty Saturday, which is I think in no small part to help get an international audience. Then they play at ten thirty Tuesday, and they're on NBA TV. It's just this is going to be. I, I sort of think it'll be pretty exciting. The basketball will be good. The storylines are kind of, I don't know. But I'm really looking forward to Rachel. No, I think, Carlisle I, stuff. I think the storylines are good because think about this. Also, there's a Rick Carlisle and Rondo storyline. Also, there's a Luca Reve- revenge story. I think if the, the Mavs beat Oh, yeah. Also, I, I imagine if the Mavs beat them and then the Mavs can actually try to set a campaign to get Kawhi. I think that I, 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 I'm just dreaming, but if that, I, I hope that, man. And if we beat them, I hope Kawhi maybe even think about coming to Dallas. Probably not, but I enjoy the enthusiasm. Well, Sam, do you got anything else before? I... I got one more last thing to say. Mavs in five. Ooh, firm take. Love it. All right, thanks, buddy, for coming up. I appreciate you. All right, coming up next, we're going to bring on Sean. Hey, Sean, what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing, Kirk? I'm good. Thanks for joining. Uh, first off, just a quick shout out to his talk. His deep dive on the Mavs Clippers playoff preview was fantastic. Absolutely. I'm I'm not sure if he's still in the room. He was. He's over there in Slovenia, and I think he was. Have, I think he might have had to get special permission from his spouse to get on uh, the horn this late at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was definitely great. Worth the re- worth the read. Um, so I know you said earlier you're not really in the headspace to talk about free agents, but I think this question is worth asking. And Tim Hardaway, he's had a really good regular season, but for some reason he just soils the bed in the playoffs. Is Do you think the Mavs should re-sign him? Yes, and I think you know he went on J.J. Reddick's podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if you've listened to it. I really recommend it. Uh, probably I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed that back and forth between the two of them. Um, he's just such a valuable player for what the Mavericks need him to do. Like he fits into the slot well. And unless you can replace that with somebody else willing to do something similar and also hit threes at the same clip, um, I'm going to be interested to see how he does. I mean, the playoff stuff, you know, last year's playoffs, the Mavs played like six and a half, seven guys. So it's really, okay, dog, you're killing me. Stop this. Um, you, it's, it's very challenging to, to, you know, 
expect so much from him on a team that was already down in, in so many real ways. Like they just weren't, um, they just weren't, you know, the team that they had been in the regular season and they just kind of kept falling apart. So it's, it's very, I just don't see who they bring in to replace that, that kind of shot, not even making, but shot taking the, the, the kind of shots that Tim takes are the really difficult ones in the offense. You know, they sometimes expect him to make something out of nothing and he's been pretty good at it. And then one of the things he talked about was how hard the season had been being away from family and things of that nature. And I think that, you know, he seems to have found the kind of player that he, he needs to be in the league. And just knowing where he fits is very valuable to me. I'm not sure, like the pricing and all that sort of stuff, like like Xavier's in the chat and he wrote a post about how it's going to be pretty difficult for the Mavs to retain him and do some of the other things they want to do. Um, and I, I understand that. So there's just from a just pure, like if I'm allowed to, to say, do I want him on the team or not? Yes, I do. So do you think if he does get re-signed, he, he would still be okay just kind of coming off the bench? He seems to be very – he talked about in, in the Reddick podcast how he, in, you know, coming off the bench was an adjustment for him, how he likes starting, but how he likes when he comes off the bench, the fans really get up for him coming into the game, and he likes that sort of attention too. I think he's seen kind of all sides of it. And then there's the aspect of playing with a guy like Luca, where he gets to eat and he gets to take these sorts of shots because of what I mentioned earlier about the the – he knows when he comes in the game exactly what he is supposed to do. And he talked about how, you know, when he went to with the Knicks, it was a little wonky with the Hawks, how he got basically sent to the G league for 25 games and had to relearn kind of how to play and how to fit in on the team. And now he knows because he's, you know, he's in his late twenties. He, he understands where he fits at least within the hierarchy of a team and the Mavericks are good and on the rise. So I think that he'd probably be okay with it. Um, but I, I, what he wants is, is, is not, is, is kind of hard to say. So I, you know, it, it'll be an interesting off season. He'll probably go field offers. I mean, he's the second round pick who is going on a second contract or his, his last big contract. So he kind of has to do what's. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for him, him coming off the bench, it probably stung a little bit, but I think he's found uh, enjoyment with it. And honestly, a few games, he's actually closing out the games uh you know with the starting lineup mm-hmm. so i think it's something for him to consider especially yeah. with like you said playing with luca so i'm i i love tim tim's become a player that you know i was willing to have to deal with when he came over and he he's just really grown on me despite how infuriating he can put he can be sometimes and that it's just that's really surprising and and you know there's He's going to be one of these Mavs, I think, that I look back on in 10 years. And I'm like, man, I really liked when Tim Hardaway was on the team. They're obviously not similar players, but I have the same kind of an endearment with him as I did with Jerry Stackhouse, where it just yeah. I, I knew what I was getting with Stack. And I know what I'm getting with Tim, and that sort of reliability and, and, and role is just nice. Yeah, definitely. And uh, one last thing. Um... For the Clippers, they obviously, they obviously have a pretty deep rotation. How deep do you think Rick is going to go with his rotation? Do you think Josh Green sees any minutes? It's a great question. I I wrote today in a roundtable at like the bottom of a thousand-word post, so people probably don't even get to the bottom of it. 
like my put my biggest surprise of the postseason is that Josh Green will see some minutes just to provide a spark. He gives me that like he he has that kind of Corey Brewer role in this team. Um, but I don't think he sees regular minutes at all. I think Rick, you know, Mark Cuban talked about how he think you know he doesn't know any of this stuff, but I he he talked about how he thinks that that um, KP will be able to play more minutes. They just they don't have there's nothing left to wait for. So you assume 40 minutes of Luca. 36 to 40 minutes of of KP and then it kind of trickles down from there so I bet they play an eight-man tight rotation and depending on how things go with the bigs it could you know we we might see somebody like one of the bigs on the Mavs team so like Willie Willie might not play much um Burke probably isn't going to play much it's it's going to be you know Brunson Timmy uh Dwight if Maxie's probable now as the chat is saying so Maxie comes back in Richardson so it's like eight to nine ish guys that that should play and then everyone else kind of slots back to where they ought to be in the rotation and that in theory bodes well for the Mavericks because on paper the Mavericks make sense it's just they need so much to go right for them to look really good um and that's where they've had these moments of struggle during the season yeah definitely I I think Josh Green could probably steal a couple minutes but I think Rick, I don't know if he's fully entrusting of just putting him in in this kind of situation. Although right. it'll, it'll probably help him, you know, grow a little bit. But I, I don't think Rick can afford to do that. Sure. Well, thank you for coming up, Sean. Hey, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. All right, coming up next, I'm going to bring up Christian. How you doing, Christian? Hey, what's up, Kirk? Oh, I'm just, I'm catching up on the chat side. It closed and uh, I'm just, la- I, I nearly started laughing at Brett uh, Stover noting in the chat, Melly better not play, <laughs> which gosh, if Melly, if Melly plays, the Mavericks are in a dark place. It's kind of like how Boban got big minutes uh, at certain points in games like five and six last year. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, really hope that we don't get that desperate in a situation. And, you know, one thing I was, uh, Thinking about, you know, when you brought up Tim going on the podcast, something I thought was really cool. And I know uh, J.J. Reddick's going to be out tomorrow. Um, but I think the fact that when him and Tim were talking, right, about shooting slumps and it's like, you know, when you're going through a slump, what do you what do you kind of think about or what's your mentality? And J.J. Reddick's just like eight of 12. And shortly after he broke his slump, I think that veteran presence is just so invaluable because mm-hmm. we need Tim to have such a, a really good series uh, to have a chance of winning this. Yeah, no, I loved that part of the show. It was like the fact that they didn't really know each other very well outside of knowing who they were um, in terms of being a com- competitors. That was really fun to listen to. And then talking to two guys who are good at a very specific craft. Uh, you know, Redick is a shooter in the NBA, but those who remembered his Duke playing days, Redick was a multi-level scorer. Like he was the man at Duke. And so, and, and then him and Hardaway just kind of talked about that mentality and what it requires and hearing those, those guys talk about that layer, like the mental aspect of shooting in the craft, because we'll all, everybody that has watched this, there was a series of games, or there's a series of games before Detroit where Tim played against, he started both Lakers games and he played one more game. And I remember the stat in my head, he was like 14 of 43, like something horrendous from the field. 
uh, over these games where he was getting good shots that just weren't going. And then he broke out and it was just really, it was interesting to hear about like kind of the mindset behind that. I, I enjoy that immensely. Yeah. And I even thought, you know, for anyone that didn't watch or, you know, get to tune in, there was a great part too. And this is the last I'll, you know, touch on something that doesn't have to do with the playoffs, but that's okay. Uh, Tim, Tim talking with his dad, right. And as being a kid and how his dad apologized to him when he was 16, like, I haven't been your dad. I've been your coach. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it just gives you an insight into the pressure, especially on someone whose father was such a high level uh, player and kind of the mentality that uh, Tim has and their relationship grown from there. And now hopefully senior could be at every game because, uh, you know, we we see what happens when he has family. Yeah. Yeah. And that that section also made me feel like kind of uh, I get very. I get very frustrated at my five-year-old's basketball practices. I know that will surprise absolutely no one who has uh, watched me watch like in professional sports. So, <laughs> what what else? Uh, just I I mean, you know, I've been listening to that Mickey Mila Nay or whatever that Luca song, and now I'm just like pumped up about the playoffs. Like I, I just, you know, after that uh, Clippers game. Uh, or them tanking, I was a bit frustrated, but I do think an Istok's uh, article had some great insight regarding the KP and Luca pick and roll, and essentially, um, you know, giving you or the them putting a wing and switching everything. So the pick and roll needs to be ran through whoever Zubak is guarding and kind of opening up that mid range, and I think, you know. I think the biggest thing this series, obviously, Brunson's going to be huge. Dwight Powell and having those rim rollers going to be huge. But I also just think the fact that, you know, last series, Rick couldn't really be as creative as he would like just because he had such uh, limited reinforcements yeah. in a sense. Yeah. I mean, it and, was, was Luca and some dudes by the Exactly. And so, uh, you know, let's say KP at the four is getting towards. Okay, then move KP to the five. If, you know, uh, Maxi is getting towards at the four, maybe then you put uh, Dory in there. Like there's at least the ability to adjust in a substantial way that I think can play well. But I think, you know, ultimately what it's going to come down to is um, – you know, Dorian and those role players being able to hit their shots, you know, Maxi not shooting 19% from three, um, that kind of thing. And I think if we do that, we have as good of a shot as any. And Luca's mid-range, I think, you know, in the season, the mid-range isn't really as valued, but in the playoffs, you have to have a mid-range. And Luca has one this year and a lethal one at that. So I I really think we have a chance. I think um, we can take this to seven games, and uh, that's going to be. I I don't know who's going to win or lose, but I think we take it to seven. Love and it. Love court. the energy. I would like seven just because that you know I don't know what I'm going to do when basketball is over. It's like I was these these time off has actually been like good, but I find myself thinking I'm like shouldn't I be doing basketball stuff? No, because there's no basketball being played. Yeah, that's what. Let's definitely hold off on the off-season talk because that's all we'll have to talk about once this is. 
That's right. Then people will really hate me because I will be a huge ass about that. Well, thanks, Christian. I appreciate it as always, Kirk. You guys have a good All right. All right, coming up next, Mavs Moneyball contributor Xavier. What's happening, my guy? Hey, Kirk, can you guys hear me? Yeah, you sound all right, awesome. All right, so I won't come on here being negative, Nancy. I've gotten some feedback that I'm always <laughs> crying on the Mavericks. You are not. So I try to, yeah, you are. That's okay. I try to be positive today. So I've been thinking about, all right, how can we theoretically win this series, right? I think part of it is I don't think we're talented enough to just outright beat them, so we're going to have to find ways for them to beat themselves. And I think one thing Carlisle has to be is comfortable being uncomfortable. And what I mean by that is what scares me, look, Kawhi's going to do what Kawhi does. And if Cleveland's not out there, we don't have a defender physical enough to really keep him out of the paint and from disrupting things. But I think we're just going to have to let Kawhi cook and just stay home on the shooters. Because like Istok mentioned, and I know you've brought it up before, they have so many shooters that shoot 40% or above from three that that's really what scares me. So in my mind, the path to victory is play, you know, exchange tools for threes. You know, I think that Kawhi is going to punish us. He's going to get the defender into the post and he's going to shoot over them, and he's going to score. And I think if Carlisle panics and starts having defenders shade him or kind of double him, I think that opens the door for Kawhi to be more of a playmaker and to just hit any of the other rotational guys and give them open shots. And I think that's where things kind of get out of hand. So in my mind, just stay home on the shooters and just make Kawhi shoot contested two over contested two. And then more importantly, we have to rebound the misses. Um yeah. Whenever Zubak really picked us apart is because he was able to get offensive rebounds and then kick it out to to the shooters and giving up second you know second chance threes those are more demoralizing than anything right you can play sound defense but if you let Zubak get an offensive rebound and kick it out to Beverly or someone else you know those are the backbreakers so uh-huh. my, that's just I think that's just what we have to do just let Kawhi score as many points as his heart desires, and then just stay home. Because where we really struggle on defense is that we're not the most physical team, but also we're not that sound in terms of rotations. Now, some of that is lack of effort. Some of that is just, you know, we don't basketball IQ. So I don't trust that we're going to be able to rotate soundly enough to kind of um, contest those shots. So that's why I'm, you know, I'm terrified of those second chance points and of Kawhi wrecking wreaking havoc on our defense, passing the ball more so than shooting it. So guys, if if we're gonna win, I think that's the path to victory. And then we're gonna have to catch fire from three. But honestly, I'm praying Kleber's healthy because he's literally the only guy on the roster that can even compete with Kawhi from with Kawhi from a physicality point. So I'm praying he's healthy and I feel a lot better about our chances if he's out there. Um but you know, that's just that's my thoughts on our path to victory. So I want to say something, and then I want to ask you a question. So, so please stay on. Um, I would love this is like narrative bullshittery, but it's it's been in my head. I would really like the series to become how do the Clippers stop Luca, rather than how do the Mavericks stop stop the Clippers? Um, because their offense is just so good, and I, I like the at least you know. I still always think back to to the the Mavericks playing um, the Suns where they made Steve Nash a shooter, and that just wasn't – he just didn't like that. It was not what he wanted to do. Um, and that, that just sort of been in my head. But my question for you is, earlier this week, Mavs Moneyball, you put up a uh, a short kind of gambling-based uh, column, kind of your thoughts on some, some things that were, you know, at least interesting bets. Um, we've read a couple of days since – is there any anything like any one that really stands out to you in this series that you that you like a lot? 
Sure. So personally, so if you think that the Mavericks are going to win, then chances are they're going to win in six or in seven, right? Right. I don't think any anyone reasonable will say that we're going to sweep them or even gentle, gentlemen sweep them. So I think the Mavs, if you put $100 down on the Mavs to win in six and a, or $100 down to and $100 down on the Mavs to win in seven, if you win either bet, um, because the Mavs won the series, then you're going to get at least four and a half times your money. And as if, as opposed to if you just bet the Mavericks right now to win the series, the most you can get is three and a half on your money. But if you bet on the Mavericks to win in six or seven, then you can get four and a half times your money. So look, we're already underdogs, but if you're willing to put your money where your mouth is, bet on them to win in six and bet on them to win in seven, and that'll help you maximize your profit. Outstanding. Thank you for this, Xavier. One of the goals for the 2021-22 season, much to my wife's chagrin, is is uh, you and Matt Moore teaching me how to gamble. So <laughs> thank you for coming up. All right. Thanks, Kirk. All right. Coming up next, got a few more folks. We have Doug. Hi, Doug. How you doing? How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us. You know, there's a couple things that are, are concerning and a couple things that are exciting for me. I hate the fact that uh, Jalen Brunson and Willie Cauley-Stein have never played in a playoff game before uh, this series. Willie Cauley-Stein still and, might uh, not play in a playoff game. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I do think that uh, that's going to be, you know, that's something that is, that scares me because they, they I, even though it's, uh, it's possible that they would, uh, they're not going to be a main, you know, main roles in what the Mavs do. I still think that they they need to be solid, if or when they're on the court, and and I actually would like to see uh, Willie Cauley Stein play not major minutes, uh, but uh, I think that the combination of uh, Willie Cauley Stein, Luca, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway, and and Jalen Brunson actually ha- is a it's an interesting group that hasn't played much together this year, but they are an interesting group that uh, I'd like to see uh, get a little bit of run as far as during the series. Um, but whether that'll happen, I don't know. Um, the uh, One of the things that I really do think that is good happening right now and is pretty exciting is uh, what I do see as far as, and you, and you were just saying something about it with Tim Hardaway Jr., really settling into and accepting his role on this team and at this place in his career. It's kind of like what Jet did. Uh, kind of, he originally came to the Mavericks, played a couple seasons as a starter, and then moved into that off-the-bench role. But still, his role was major, but he just wasn't a starter. And uh, that, too, is, is kind of an interesting thing because uh, this could be a really breakthrough moment for Tim Hardaway Jr. in his career because – not necessarily because, you know, I anticipate that he's going to be a, a starter either through the playoffs or even later in his career, but just for what he could do for the Mavs in this in this series. Oh, I was on mute. Yeah, I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing seeing those things. That's I, I, I'm not bullish yet, but I'm, I'm just so interested in, in how this series is going to go. That's <laughs> Well, and and I guess to me, and I, I'm like with Xavier. If you're if you're p- picking the Mavs for anything less than you know uh, the possibility of them winning the series in anything less than six or seven games, uh, boy, you're you're seeing something that I'm not. But uh, there definitely is the place where um, 
I, I do think that the Mavs, not necessarily because they're going to defensively shut uh, the Clippers down. I, I mean, I just don't think that that's, that's the way they're going to have their best chance. I think it's just uh, if they can play the way, you know, solid defense, and, and even that's a big ask uh, of, of the Mavericks right now, but of really uh, playing well in offense, hitting threes, um, you know, getting, you know, getting into the lane and to the rim if possible. And, and uh, one of the things that has been frustrating, it seems like that in some of the past games this year is when the Mavs just didn't go all the way to the rim and at least try to draw a foul. Um, that frustrates me because I think that that's, that's easy money. And, uh, and the Mavs are good at when they, when they do go all the way and get to the rim, uh, either in making the shot or getting to the line. But, uh, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Sure. sure. Right. There's going to be a lot of chest-type moves to go. To go. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. This is, uh, I, I had a, a rare break in the middle of the day, and so I jumped on. So. Well, thanks for hanging out. All right. Coming on next is Jesse. What's happening? How's it going, Kirk? Good, thank you. Um, so the the key matches for me, I think, are likely, um, you know, Kawhi probably is going to defend KP quite a bit. And Kawhi's really good at getting players off their spots. KP has some particular spots on the court where he's really efficient. I think... Uh, from the left block, he's like 57% um, on those little he'll, – he'll get those bank shots and things like that. Um, and then you have uh, in the corner three uh, on, the, on the, the right corner, he's shooting 66.7% uh, from three, which is a small sample size. But I think if – and I just made a shot chart of like all of the best spots for each of the Mavericks uh, this season – per stat muse and there's some really really efficient spots i just don't know if they get to them a lot so sure. i'm i'm interested to seeing how they can get to their spots since Kawhi is so good at getting people off their spots so is paul george so if we can get there i think we have a chance also as far as willie collie stein goes i would like to see him a little bit more minutes there, our biggest advantage could be we could out rebound them if we focused on that. And they don't get to the line a lot, they don't get to the uh, free throw line a lot, and they don't really finish inside a lot. So, we can if we can reduce them to a, a you know a three point shooting team, a jump shooting team where we have had success in the past and really crippling three point shooting when we're getting up for games, uh, we've held a lot of opponents to below uh 35 34 percent from three when we're really on and you know our strength will be uh defensively will will benefit us against them in this matchup but our weaknesses defensively aren't really their strengths as far as inside defense sure. goes so i think we have an advantage there i still think it's going to be clips in six but uh, do you, what do you think about some of the matchup issues there I mean, the, the point about getting KP off his spots is, is you know, same. It's Marcus Smart's the guy who, like, tends to just come to mind when I think of smaller guys destroying KP. And it's like a balance and a strength issue. And Kawhi's, like, probably top 
four strongest guys in the league. I mean, he's just a beast. So that's an interesting one there. And plus it probably allows, uh, if, if I'm the Clippers, I want, I want KP shooting a lot <laughs> because he doesn't get to the line. He doesn't put the ball on the floor. Um, but if, when, when KP is hitting, he's like, he's just such an outlier player when he's hitting shots. It feels like he shoots like six, you know, in games. He's, he's either like ice cold or really hot. I mean, I could be making that up, but as um, the, the corner three thing I think is interesting because it goes back to a lot of what Carl doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be predictable on offense. So he, they've been running all these things all season long. And I, I just can't help but shake the feeling that they've been holding a ton back all year. Um, I mean, Porzingis run, only does like dives to the rim from the baselines. He's never a down the middle pick and roll guy. And I think that's partially because of like health reasons. They don't want him to get hurt. And if you can protect him from one side of the baseline, that helps. But I, I just, I can't shake some of these, these things. The, the matchup based stuff is, is tough because Dallas, they're smaller. I mean, Clippers are enormous. I mentioned that earlier. And, and that's one of those things that I, I can't get out of my head. So I'm going to be, kind of watching what they what they do there but this is Luka just plays this team really well um size bothers him on a you know length bothers him really but he took it to the Clippers last year he took it to the Clippers this year um and and you know our strength on the, the offensive side the pick and roll is one of their weaknesses and so that will be at least worth paying attention to but you know, just because it's been a weakness in the regular season, Xavier noted earlier in the chat that, like, the Clippers didn't take the regular season seriously. And I think there's really something to that. Um, whereas I also feel like at times the Mavericks didn't take the regular season seriously. <laughs> um, but, right. you know, well, we'll see. I, I'm uh, it's it's I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I was pretty bummed initially that this was the matchup. But now that I've kind of settled in, I'm, I think I'm looking forward. Yeah, also another interesting thing, Luke is 50% from the left corner, so if we just work our corners, we, we should be good, right? But, sure, uh, more, yeah. more efficient shots. Right, and uh, also Tim Hardaway Jr., if you look at his shot chart, it is all the way, he's above 38% all the way around the, uh, the three-point line. So he's just doing it from everywhere. It'll be really interesting to see how he can sort of get open shots in this series because really – I don't like using the X factor word, but like he's really the difference. Cause if you look at scoring for all the players on the Clippers, there's a big drop off between, you know, after uh, Paul George and Kawhi, but with us, there's, you know, you know, Luca KP, then Tim Hardaway jr. Who's almost at 17 points a game. And a lot more recently, if really he sort of, uh, if he's on, it's really going to affect the way that they defend us, I think. And I'm just praying that that's the case, uh, that we see the the good version of Tim and not the not the over twelve version. But that's all I got today. Thanks for coming up, Jesse. Appreciate it. All right, have a good one. All right, coming up next, Lance. Hey, Lance, what's going on? What's going on, Kirk? Having How a good old, having a great Friday. Though I'm watching my work email box. I'm just getting more things I need to do. Oh man, I am I am primed for a playoff Saturday. Even though I'm getting my second COVID shot, so I might be under the weather, but I'm still going to find a way to to look up at the TV screen. Which when are you get so, uh Pfizer second shot on Saturday or today? Uh, it was supposed to be today, but unfortunately, the Fair Park where they do uh, the Pfizer vaccines they're closed. So I went up there thinking I was going to get my shot yeah. and had to. 
be told I have well, to come you, back if tomorrow. If you get it tomorrow, you'll probably be, since it's a day game, you'll probably be okay. Side yeah. effects tend to take like 12 hours. Yeah, and it's, uh, I, I was, you know, I'm doing my rounds of listening to all the podcasts and whatnot leading up to the playoffs. And man, a lot of smart play, uh, smart people are saying uh, Clippers in five, but that just makes me think that it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of these people think because a lot of the, the writers and podcasters aren't taking into account that Brunson wasn't there. Obviously, Dwight Powell, I know we love to make fun of Dwight Powell, but, but honestly, he's been looking a lot better athletically uh, lately. And, and I think gravity is going to matter this series. I do, too. Um, I do too. And the, the main thing I want to get out here, and this is another guy. I, I don't really have a problem with him, but I, I can see why people are upset with him. This is going to be Richardson's chance to either he's going to be a Mav or they're going to trade him because this is what why they – this is literally the reason why they traded for him is for a series like this. And uh, I know you were nice and you retweeted a, an article I wrote for Def Pen. Uh, and in it, it, it discusses, you know, Richardson against Paul George. And in his 13, I think it's like 13 and a half minutes, he held Paul George to 33% shooting from the field. I think it was uh, three turnovers to one assist. So I think they just got to hook in on that. And obviously the KP's the the X factor of the whole series because we already know Luke is going to get his numbers. I mean, that's it's really not much to talk about there. The only other problem is... As you mentioned, I think you mentioned it last time you were on here, but also I, I did some digging, and it's nine players, nine Clippers average at least 40% from three, which is amazing because last year we thought the Clippers bench was, was good, but this year they're, they're probably a lot better, and, and that's saying something. So I, I think those are some of the main keys, man. I just – more and more I'm starting to lean Dallas and six, man. I don't know why. Like, I, I haven't said it in public yet. I put it on some – uh some uh, some uh, polls and whatnot, but I'm really starting to think it's Dallas and six. I love the fire. I also think your Richardson take is is pretty important. His talk covered it briefly in his preview. Um, I hadn't really thought about the Paul George aspect yet, though, because I have your piece pulled up here on my computer. But I haven't read it just because I've had a lot to do today. Um, I, I Richardson mattering a lot. It goes me. You know, Matt Moore showed me some numbers about how poorly Paul George has played. In, against the Mavericks this season, uh, the Clipper, you know, the, the the Christmas post-Christmas massacre, you know, it factors into all the numbers. But man, he shot something horrifying, and you know, it's nice to at least imagine right now, and we'll get more minutes to back this up soon. That that if Richardson played a big part in that, that's great. Yeah, I just I think it's easy to dump on him, and 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 like I say, I think a lot of it. It's just Carlisle, and I'm not saying it's Carlisle's fault, but I think Carlisle, we know Carlisle probably wants to hold himself for the for the postseason. I think a lot of this, he just doesn't want to put certain players like on certain assignments because he wants to hide that. Just like I think KP's going to be a lot more active. Uh, I was I was going through the game tape, and there was a lot of KP just kind of setting picks, but then kind of just falling back and not doing much after that, kind of just somewhat moving on the perimeter, but, you know, just kind of staying stagnant. But then there was a couple of actions where they put him in the pick and roll, and guess what happened? The Clippers didn't have no answer for him. So I, I really think he's going to be a lot more active. Uh, it, it just sucks that leading up to the playoffs, not a lot of people have faith in KP, but I want to say he's relatively healthy for KP standards, so that's good coming into the series. So like I said, man, even if it's even if it's uh, not Mavs in six, I think it will be Clippers in six. Uh, there's, I don't think there's any way where they where they kill them in five because I don't think the Clippers are that kind of team. I think they're the 
the kind of team that it takes them a while to get going and, and take things seriously. So I'm looking Punch forward to it regardless. I, I am too. Punching them in the mouth, it would be a delightful surprise for us for my Saturday afternoon. Well, thank you, Lance, for coming up. Thanks, man. Y'all have a nice weekend. All right. Coming up next, got a couple more people, and then I got to get back to work. So my friend Christian, what's happening, Christian? Hey, can you hear me? You sound great. Okay, sorry. This is my first time on here, so I was making sure it works. Oh, I should have invited uh, you earlier. I'm sorry. I try to invite new people, but I can't. So, I mean, it's getting to the point where I can't remember. So thank you for waiting so long. <laughs> yeah, no no big deal. Um, I just thought, I just think one thing that's kind of funny is I feel like throughout this entire season, fans have been like super frustrated. I know Josh wrote something recently about like, where did these frustrations come from? And I, I feel like consistently it's been them playing at the level of their competition and just like playing down against bad teams. So I feel like that's kind of the thing that everyone gets really frustrated about. But what I thought's interesting is they haven't really lost to a good team in a while. Um, mm. When, when we've played, I think the last loss to like a really solid team is like mid early April to Philly, but it was on a second night of a back to back and no KP. And, and they're a terrible go, matchup for Dallas. Just yeah, period. yeah, and it's yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you go back past that, you're looking at like the the back to back with Portland or the Clippers series where we split both ones, and that was like mid March. So I thought it's uh, pretty interesting that we've voiced frustrations pretty consistently on Twitter of being like, "Oh, we know exactly who this team is," and uh, you know the Mavs are exactly who we thought they were, but I can't remember the last time where they just didn't get up for a big game. And so um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty psyched. And I I know everyone's been like, this is an excellent take. Yeah. I I know everybody's kind of bringing this up, but I think the national media is just treating the series the same as the last. And uh, the one point that's being brought up pretty consistently is like, You know, the Mavs will have Porzingis, which is obviously huge. And the Clippers, you know, the Rondo stories and the Abaka take, like that's kind of being brought up. But I think the bigger deal is like those six, seven, and eight guys. Um, Just the fact that like Michael Kidd-Gilchrist and Boban uh, played minutes in a playoff series last season um, is insane. And, you know, Trey Burke is starting. Uh, So just replacing that with the guys that have already been mentioned. Uh, I think it's 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 something only Mavs fans that watch every single game are really realize the impact that those guys have, and so uh, I, I just think it's going to be interesting. And I, I know that our guys are going to be ready to go, and so that that's just going to be fun to watch. I really enjoy this. That that's a good. I hadn't really thought about a, a few of those things, and I spend an unhealthy portion of my day thinking about Mavs things. So so this is a good good angle, Christian. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for uh, putting me on. Of course, buddy. Talk to you later. All right, a couple more requests because people like torturing me and don't want me to go back to work. Just kidding, guys. Uh, coming up next is Brian. How you doing, Brian? Kirk, happy Friday, sir. How's it been? Okay. It's been a minute. Okay. All right. Well, I've been thinking about this for a while, and I, I know I have the bad luck of ending your shows on like a negative uh, <laughs> like stat or math point, but I was thinking about this a while, and remember the uh, a decade now when the Mavericks actually beat the Heat, and that following year the Heat came back, and they were obviously pretty determined that they were going to win an NBA title. 
Speaking to a lot of intelligent Clippers people throughout the week, there's a different kind of uh, demeanor on this Clippers team. And uh, they are fully aware that they completely shit the bed last year, like completely aware. Mm. And the mindset that they have this year is completely, absolutely different. And I fear this could be a series where the Clippers are going to impose their will and make a, an example of Dallas. And not like a old 90s, hey, we're going to punch you in the mouth, but we're a better team than you and we're going to prove it and we're just going to just beat you into submission. And with like the, because so here, like with the Clippers, like this player, this playoff series as a whole, right? Who needs this more? Like the Clippers absolutely need this because if the Clippers lose this series, like what do you do? Like, right. what, what do you do? Because they are absolutely locked in where they can do upward, no, no mobility at all. I mean, obviously there's that small chance Kawhi could potentially opt out, but I mean, I sincerely doubt that actually happens. So, I feel like the, the, you know, the onus is completely on the Clippers where they, they're fully aware of, you know, we cannot dick around with this team. We have to like squash them because we're a better team. Well, the the dirty secret of last year's playoff run that we don't talk about is the, the Clippers beat the shit out of the Mavs. The, even game four, they beat the crap out of the Mavs. And the only, they let up the gas with just long enough for the Mavericks to go nuts and force an overtime. I mean, that was a gentleman's sweep and all but Luca going crazy. And I choose to remember that Luca going crazy and, and, you know, kind of gives us potential. But, like, the Clippers had 20-point leads repeatedly on the Mavericks. So right. I, I, I think there's something that I thought. I just don't – I think the Mavericks are just a little bit better this year. And I also think that the Clippers, you know, there's there's something to be said about where you finish your year. The Phoenix Suns finished the year not – Great. Their defense kind of steadily got worse. They peaked too early, in my opinion. The Clippers, you know, going on a 6-10 and 10 losing streak to or 6 out of 10, you know, losses to end the season is not great, even if some of it was preordained. So there's, you know, getting on track and being in a rhythm is of value. And, and I don't think that either team can really boast that at the moment. So that'd be my counter. But I do think you. Yeah. And to counter what you just said is like with the Clippers as a whole, they they have the one guy, like one of few guys in the NBA where he there's that light switch. They have Kawhi. So and I think if I, my timetable is correct, based on the games that they pre-rested during this essential week off, I believe you're almost at 10 days off between Paul George and Kawhi and health into the playoff series was like a big thing for Ty Lue. I, I spoke to Garrett Corpenning on our podcast recently this week. And during kind of like the media sessions this week, Ty Lue like emphasized, you know, Hey, I don't really care if people are criticizing me or the, the Clippers think they're ducking the nuggets or anything like that. They're just worried about themselves and like their health and like whatever happens afterwards happens. But they seem to have like a pretty general idea of like, you know, these guys, our veterans, they can turn it on like like that. And it's it's going to be interesting because, obviously, they're going to have, like, a home game, and that's going to be a different animal, too. Well, I mean, I don't believe that bullshit for one minute coming out of Tyrese. That, like, they lost a 3-1 lead last year. Sorry. They are they don't have the ability to turn it on. Otherwise, they would have turned it on. Um, <laughs> you know, now there's always a time to prove it. Maybe it's now, but until they until they do it, they don't really have much of a – you know, uh, a shot. My, uh, well, I just think that part of it's overstated. But thank you, Brian. I appreciate you coming up. Appreciate you, buddy. Have a great weekend.
You too. All right, coming up next, Leo. How you doing, Leo? Hello. Hope everyone's having a good evening. How are you doing, Mr. Kirk? Good. Thanks for coming up. Good. Thanks for coming. All right. So everyone here is talking about really smart basketball stuff and how plays work. Uh, I'm a moron. I don't know how basketball works. So my point of the, uh, my point of view when it comes to series is a lot more mental. Because our team is very young and very emotional, and it's one of those things where it can either go volatile or it can go really amazing for us. And the Clippers, I don't care about Tyloo because you had LeBron James as like your centerpiece and your leader. I'm not really sure who the leader of the Clippers is if it's not Tyru, uh, Tyron, uh, Tyron Lue, and if uh, Rondo just decides to go in a hissy fit if we win game one or game two. I don't know if that spite that he has for uh, Coach Carlisle kind of goes against them. I mean, the like the storyline aspect of this series is a lot of fun. You're right, and you know you should lean into it because there's a lot of like approaching you know WWE style chicanery between these teams filled with guys that saw each other last year, coaches that you know Rondo and uh, yeah, that stuff goes back to to forever ago. There's just a lot of fun little things that that could matter in this one, and. I agree with you that the Mavericks, um, it's been both to their benefit and also to their detriment, the fact that they, they kind of don't have any emotional stability. <laughs> and, and you know, they get on a hot streak, and I think they can, you know, I, I that's why I think that, that totally counting them out of the series is crazy. I agree. Uh, I'm just hoping for a really exciting series. I really don't care if we win. Well, I care if we win or lose, but I just want something fun. But Mavs. Awesome. Thanks for coming up, buddy. All right, coming up next is Willis. How you doing, Willis? Hey, Kirk, uh, Willis, Maxi on Twitter, Maxi the German Shepherd on Twitter. Uh, first of all, I always come on here and tell you you're right. Uh, from your podcast earlier today, the whole crowd thing, I hadn't realized it was like 10% LA crowd, like 50% our crowd. Yeah. Could this be the first time we do actually have a big market Southern advantage that we're going to have some, a bunch of psychos in there just yelling and screaming? And then you've got... It's 10% of fans, and they're Clipper fans. So they're not going to be doing jack. You know, they're not even going to be yelling. Uh, but- so, like, I think this is really going to jazz up Luca. That's going to make me choose to believe that this is going to be a feisty, positive series. I did go to that uh, graffiti Mavs uniform drop and watch the Clippers smear us. So hopefully uh, that won't happen. But love- we got to get Maxi feeling good. So. I like this. The, uh, the, 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 the home, I'm not really, you know, the Mavs. This is not fair to me, but I don't think the Mavs crowds have been great since the early 2000s uh, when, before kind of they got priced out. Um, and so it's like people being back in the building are going to be excited to be back in the building. And the Mavs have a great in-game ops team, lots going on, and that's just going to be different for these guys. Um, I still hope they keep fans away from the baseline, which would be awesome. But uh, I, I, I enjoy this. And like, I remember the 2011 Mother's Day massacre and I can just say, you know what, like our playoff fans do tend to get up and these are like the huge Luca fan stands now. So like, hopefully we get some good people in there and get some rowdiness. Oh yes. Well, thanks for coming up. You got anything else? Thanks, man. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, no, no. We're good. Have a good uh, locker room, man. I appreciate it. All right. Coming up next, probably last. Ike, how we doing, Ike? Hey, Kirk, how's it going? It's good. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me as usual. But yeah, you know, I, I, one of the things that I like about you is, you, I mean, you just you just give it to it straight, no chase, you know. And I think a lot of times the habit that we as Mavs fans have is that in certain situations we tend to romanticize things. When you know, if you look back correctly, that's just not what the case was. Like, yes, you know, 
we had many uh, great moments. You know, Luca had the that game winner, which was great, and you know we forced the overtime, and we saw you know a lot of potential out of KP. But <laughs> quite frankly, you know the Clippers did kick our ass. It's just <laughs> much you know much of the series. <laughs> I mean, let's let's not right. let's not mince words. They kicked our ass. It was frustrating because I mean they were clearly the better team. Um, but right. you know, I think the big problem was is they showed their just how infantile their uh, mental strength was. You know, um, in a lot of those things, uh, and a lot of that seems to carry over because they've you know even this year um, there there isn't like I, I don't feel like a market difference because. You know, a, a big thing as far as like the discipline and kind of the mental strength of a of a of a team, especially one that's trying to, you know, quote unquote contend, is, you know, how they close games and how they perform in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, obviously we were mm-hmm. we were terrible at that last year, um, and we've made some market improvements, but I don't think the Clippers have improved much in that aspect. No. Uh, so, you know, when you think about that, because the Clippers again are the better team, we've made some improvements, yeah. but the Clippers are the better team. You know, that's just speaking objectively. Well, uh, but and- one of the things, you know, that from just a mental perspective that I find very intriguing, and I know that uh, Tim Yeager of House Maverick kind of remarked upon uh, this, and I think another uh, another person came up and remarked about this is, I don't know the last time I can remember the last time that the Mavs vocally like said, yeah, we want them too. Like, you know, they're, they're like kind of like talking shit back, essentially. And I'm kind oh, of yeah, Dorian's comments on Jim Rome. Yes, yeah, I listened to it and I was like, okay, this is different. And what, what kind of gets me excited about it is because a lot of times we can get frustrated with the Mavs because, you know, as good as they can play, you know, they take care of the balls. We have some good pieces. Of course, we have a transcendent star in Luka. You know, a lot of times they can just, kind of go through the motions and you know oftentimes they can get away with it because they're well coached they play well together and things of that sort but you know we see how that can bite us in the ass against you know very terrible teams uh, and one of my wishes is like not only to bring in players that play with more of an edge but for the team to play with more of an edge overall but there you know I've heard some comments for Red and heard some comments from Jalen Brunson and stuff like that like you know they're, they're talking a little shit like like they want this so I'm like okay maybe we're gonna see a different team, a team that's going to really kind of like play with an edge that that's not going to back down. But, you know, of course, KP stepped up when, you know, the whole fiasco with Marcus Morris and, and, and Luca and stuff like that. Yep, but, an know, underrated like, moment. An underrated moment. Maybe we're going to see more of that moment, you know, where if somebody screams at them, they're going to scream back, things of that sort. So um, I'm, I'm excited for this series. I think this is kind of an underrated series because I, I know it's kind of a run back type of deal, but, I'm excited to see this because I think it all falls within the process as far as just kind of the growth of the team. You know, we can talk about future transactions, what creation or what trades we can make and stuff like that. But, you know, this is all a part of the process and building back, you know, not only like a playoff contender, but hopefully a title contender. So I'm excited to see kind of the growth. I am too. I am too. This is getting to the playoffs is fun. I talked, you know, I, I misstated something on a podcast I put up yesterday with Josh where I said the Mavericks only got out of the second round like three times in the 2000s. That wasn't what I meant. I meant from like 2006 on, including that finals run, they only got out of the playoffs. They only got out of the first round, you know, 2006. I want to say it was 2009 and 2011. They made it all those other times, but it's just getting out of it is hard. And it's a process, and getting to the right place is—it just takes some time. And so it's like, 
Uh, big picture, that's kind of why I was frustrated about playing the Clippers earlier, is because it's just like I don't want it, it. It's it doesn't really show, you know, whether this team has made progress or not because they're playing the same dang guys. Um, right. I, right. I I do think that there's that there's you know a little bit more of a chance than last year, and if they pull this off, I'd be pretty ecstatic. But overall, like what you're talking about in terms of of where the team ought to be, I, I think they've they've come. They've come a long way. Um, it, this isn't an easy season, and I like we treat it. I make the mistake of this all the time of just thinking about this like it's a normal season, and it's just not. I mean, the Mavericks exactly. finished the season playing six games in nine days. They looked terrible because they were tired. Yeah. They're tired because they played yeah. the post All Star break. They played thirty eight games in sixty eight days. I mean, that's right. crazy. That's not what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to play three times a week. 12, 12, maybe 14 times a month. And instead they were playing 15 to 17 times in a month. And that, that just wears guys down, even superhuman athletes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. And, and I guess. We'll, well thank you for coming up. Yeah. Sure. Thank you. Go ahead with that last point. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the last final point, I just kind of want to reiterate kind of a point to, that you made, which was important as far as how you kind of end the season. And, you know, I think a lot of teams that are quote unquote good, uh, you know, kind of make the mistake that they can like kind of turn it, turn the switch on and off or whatever. It's only really like the really predominant, you know, the really dominant teams that we can see uh, do that from time to time. And even still, that's that's a struggle. Right. So, you know, with the Clippers losing six out of their last 10 and things of that sort, I mean, they're not going in with any type of momentum. And it just kind of takes me back to to like, you know, the and I know you made a couple of references as far as like you know, like uh, the, the Phoenix teams of old that, that kind of did that as well. And I, I take it back to the 2007 season with the Mavs, how dominant their regular season was. But towards the end, they lost their last couple of games. And then, you know, we had that fiasco with Golden State. So it, it is definitely important how you, end the game, how you end the regular season entering to the playoffs because you definitely want that kind of momentum and kind of that kind of rhythm and flow as you enter the playoffs. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming up as always. Yeah, I appreciate it. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Um, our scheduling, uh, because the game's an afternoon game tomorrow, I'm pretty sure Josh and I will just do a post-game podcast. And I've not made up my mind, but I think I may hold on doing a post-game locker room. Uh, if it's a win, I might just record right away. If the Mavericks lose, I'm probably going to want to sit on this for a few hours and record later at night. Um, so if, you know, you guys who've been participating in the post-game stuff, really appreciate you. Thanks for hanging out during the day. Uh, This has been Mavs Moneyball Live, and we will talk to you in a couple of days. Go Mavs.